Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. Today, we'll be discussing topics including NBA playoff reflections, the NBA coaching carousel, Harriet Tubman versus Andrew Jackson, the Birdman controversy, and Prince's untimely demise. So let's hop right into our second episode of the Boxing One podcast. Welcome to the Boxing One podcast, formerly known as the Christ Sports and Culture podcast. It was a short shelf life, wasn't it? Yeah, it had a run of one week. That's crazy. But we found the name and we are excited about it. And we're excited about you all joining us again. And we want to make sure that we start by actually introducing a new co-host. I'm your co-host, John Richards, joined by Chris Lasseter, a.k.a. C-Lass. And we have another co-host because, you know, in Christian circles, three is always better than two. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That Trinitarian theology right there. Amen. So, uh, Brother Jeremy Hart, a.k.a. Jay Hart. Look, we didn't plan this, okay? We all have a first initial last name nickname. So, we're going to let Jay Hart explain um, who he is in Christ and also explained why he's so interested in sports and culture and why he's joining us. So welcome, Jay Hart. I don't have like an audience clapping or anything, but welcome to the pack podcast, bro. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, wow. Um, this whole thing has taken, whew, I mean, how long is it taking for it to come together, Chris? We sent out some emails about maybe six months ago, three, four months ago. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, quite a ride and adventure we did the first one where we actually um sat down in the studio and did it but just to be a part of this with you guys is um a blessing and just i'm just excited to get started um basically i have christ or i have chris to thank um on some levels for leading me to christ um because he and i went to college together uh it's through him that i actually met my wife uh, my first child his middle name is christopher after chris so um, it's been quite a ride, so I'm, I'm thankful for Chris and his friendship. Um, we kind of hit it off right away when we got to Shenandoah, uh, all those late night trips to Walmart and eating frozen burritos and watching Sports Center. You know, <laughs> those burritos, yeah, <laughs> the 33 cent patio chicken burritos with extra hot sauce. The struggle was real. Oh, it was real, and I had to sell yes. the bullet, the sob. So, we wasn't balling at Kentucky. No, not at all. We wasn't even balling at Western Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I just I'm thankful. I think the Lord has used basketball in my life specifically um, to lead me to, to him. Um, it was through basketball that I transferred to Shenandoah University, met Chris and so many of our teammates actually gave their lives to Christ. So um, it's just been an awesome experience, an awesome ride. And um, I'm thankful for my brother Chris to be there, um, praying for me, holding me up, lifting me up, and just um, keeping me accountable for things. So it's just a great, great way to start and be a part. And hopefully, we'll just continue this and keep it moving. 
It's great, man. It's great, man. It's good to have you on board. Now you went to Shenandoah. Yes. But you're not. You're from where? I am from the Flying WV, West Virginia. West Virginia. He's one of yes. one of one person that I know from West Virginia now. <laughs> so it's good to know somebody from West Virginia. So tell me this, man. Since you're from WV, the Flying WV. Um, we want to ask you a question. Who okay. is your favorite athlete from your home state? Oh, that that's an easy one. It's got to be Jason Williams. Um, you know, we got a lot to choose from. Well, not really. We got Hot Rod Hundley. We got Randy Moss. We got the logo, Jerry West. Um, but just in terms of who I'd love to watch and who I'd like to see, Jason Williams, hands down. Um, just the excitement. And, you know, he took the league by storm when he came in. So he's got to be my favorite athlete from my state. Wow. West Virginia. So so we're going to move uh, to Virginia now and save the best for last, obviously, since I'm from Georgia. Um, and ask C-Laz, who's your favorite athlete from your home state? Man, that's a tough one, too, man. Uh, honestly, we have so many, so many good ones. If I had to just pick one, though, I'd probably say just AI, Allen Iverson, because we're the same age, playing the same AU tournaments, and just watching his career. So I would probably go with Iverson if I had to pick one VA athlete. Mm. Sorry, Moses Malone. Wow. Sorry, Grant Hill. I, I saw some of his football highlights, and I probably would have to agree with you. Iverson looked like he was sickness on the football field, yeah. like crazy. Um, so just so our listeners know, uh, this is the dad's life. Obviously, you hear some 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 kids and moms in the background. This is what we do. This is how we roll. You know, we're... my my son just came down the steps. He was singing. I don't know if y'all heard that or not. But... <laughs> Absolutely, man. That's what's up, man. That's how you do it in the trenches. Um, so. My favorite athlete. And I got from... five kids. Obviously, so um, we're, we're definitely going to hear some cameos from yours for sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so for my home state, my home state, Georgia, obviously there are tons of candidates. We talked about Jackie Robinson last last week, and a lot of people don't know he's from Georgia, which is great. Um, but I'm going to have to go with Herschel oh, Walker. That's a good Ooh. choice. I am a huge Georgia fan, Okay. The Spurs are number one, Georgia's number two, and Georgia football has been part of me since I've been born. And Herschel Walker is probably one of the greatest athletes to ever step foot um, between the hedges at Georgia. Freshman, All-American, one of the only true freshmen to ever do that, and also led them to a national championship his freshman year, which is great. And he's just a ridiculous athlete. And he didn't lift weights. He just did push-ups and sit-ups, right? Absolutely. I'm like, dude, some people are strong and then some people are country oh, strong. Oh, he's country strong. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Herschel Walker was country strong. So sad to see he didn't have a great NFL career per se. But, man, when he was at Georgia, it was a, a beauty, a sight to behold. So, he was. Do you remember he when he ran over Bill Bates? Oh, absolutely. That was ridiculous. So yeah. we're going to have to do like a head-to-head um, round-robin tournament for some of these players, man, see see who wins head-to-head. But, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to go with Herschel because he's a, he's a savage 
a monster. <laughs> but uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later at some point. So let's let's go ahead and move over to the NBA. Man, playoffs are in full swing, and we have a couple of things happen this week that we want to talk about, right? Yeah, man. I don't really want to talk about Steph's knee, but I guess we got to. That that's an important part of it. Absolutely, man. Does that does so for people who don't know, you should, probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast if you're not watching the NBA playoffs and don't know Steph Curry. But he uh, hurt his knee yesterday on a wet spot in the on the floor in Houston, and it just looked horrible. It's one of those plays that you just can't watch more than one, yeah. two or three times. And uh, MRI came out back today, and it's supposed to be out for two weeks. It's a grade one sprain. But how does that? What type of impact does that have on the Warriors' chances in the playoffs? What do you guys think? Um, I I would definitely say uh, the Spurs have to become the favorites now. If Steph can't go, um, I think Golden State's got a great team, but chances are they're going to run into an OKC in the second round. And, I'm not sure they can handle Westbrook and Durant without the firepower of Steph. And if they do, he's got to come back against San Antonio or or we might be seeing number six for San Antonio. I think they get the Clippers, won't they? They'll get the Clippers. Is it the Clippers? Yeah, yeah either way, though. Uh, we'll, How are you we'll going to play Chris with no, with no Steph? Hey, let me just say something, Jay Hart. I like you already. <laughs> Talking about six rings for my Spurs, man. I appreciate that. But yeah, they will get the Clippers and we get the Thunder, which I'm I'm happy about. Oh, okay. I don't I don't want to see the Clippers as as a Spurs fan. Um and we talked about that last episode because Chris Paul's a beast. But um I agree, man. It's probably gonna have a significant impact for the Warriors. It's gonna be a tougher road for them, for sure. Absolutely. So um you want to talk about the Spurs and the Cavs sweeping? You got what do you got? Oh, we just we hold on. We're gonna give you the floor for a second because we are recording this podcast on your boy's birthday. It's Tim Duncan's 40th birthday. What? So take take one minute. Don't give me the floor, man. The don't you want don't you want to Tim Duncan? Don't Go you ahead, you don't want to spend the out. next 30 minutes talking about Tim Duncan, do you? Because that. Okay, so Tim Duncan turned 40 years old. He's 40 years old and still doing it in the NBA. Isn't that crazy? And I, I wrote a blog post a couple of years ago talking about how Hurricane Hugo made me a Spurs fan. And a lot of people don't know this, but he was like an Olympic, getting ready to train for the Olympics as a swimmer um, and hadn't played basketball. But when Hurricane Hugo ran through, it tore up his pool Um and he just picked up basketball at that point, went to Wake Forest, and the rest is history. So shout out to Tim Duncan for doing it at 40 years old. And then shout out to, you know, just divine providence for, for giving me five rings and potentially six rings. Obviously, you know, hurricanes have devastating effects. So, you know, praying for the the families in retrospect. But at the same time, just imagine if he would have been an Olympic swimmer going against Phelps, that's kind of crazy. But yeah, shout out to Tim Duncan. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend the next 30 minutes talking about how he's better than Kobe because I know Jay Hart's oh, a Lakers fan. Don't, um, let's, the let's best, play, best player of his era, Tim Duncan. Okay? So we'll probably have to talk about that at a later time. We're going to have to revisit that at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Have to. Have to. So yeah, they swept this weekend, man, and, and uh, the Grizzlies are probably going to dismantle 
and the Cavs also swept. Any other series that you guys are interested in in this first round, or are you just waiting for the semis? Um, I, the one I have the most interest in right now is Boston and Atlanta. Um, and I think that's mainly because Isaiah Thomas is the same height as me. <laughs> <laughs> He's killing too, man. He is. He is. I, you know, and I like Brad Stevens. I think Brad Stevens is doing a tremendous job um, in Boston. He's getting all kinds of recognition and props from around the league just on um, his X's and O's and his ability to relate uh, to relate to guys. So mm-hmm. even as a Lakers fan, it hurts me to say that I enjoy the Celtics doing well, but um, I'm very intrigued by that. And I like to see what's going to happen between those uh, two guards, uh, Teague and Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a little feisty. It's a little bit feisty over there. A little yeah. like playoff basketball in that series. Yeah, didn't he punch him in the head? Yeah, Dennis Schroeder, he punched him in the head. Man, he almost knocked him out. <laughs> did y'all see? Cr- did y'all see Isaiah Thomas's kids at the press conference though? Oh, that was great, yeah. man. They I handled don't know if you it. Saw that Jay, but his his son just ran up on the stage, grabbed the mic, and said, "My dad is the greatest basketball player." That was, I was like, "Props to you, little Isaiah." Yeah. That was awesome, man. That was like better than Chris Paul's kids. <laughs> yeah, not better than steps though. So I'm about to mourn. Nah, I'm man. Mourning again. No. So um, the other story: Kevin Durant was booted from a game. Okay, Kevin Durant is probably the nicest dude in the league, and not just his game, but just kind of his character. He got a flagrant foul and got kicked out of the game um, this weekend. What do you guys think about the flagrant foul system as it stands right now? Is it soft, Jay? Um, you know, I'm an old school guy. I grew up, you know, watching those old Lakers-Celtics games, you know, the Pistons with the Jordan rules. Like, I, what they term flagrant now, like, oh, my gosh, they did get the death penalty back in the 80s and 90s, but – um, even with Durant, like, I don't think what he did was intentional or malicious. Like he admitted, like, it was like my bad. Um, but you know, I think they're trying to clean up the game a little bit. It makes the game more exciting, but I think, okay, we're going a little overboard with some of this stuff now. I know. And I think you mentioned earlier, like he, he knew it was a flagrant as soon as he hit him. It was like, Hey, my yeah. bad, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he, he made every effort to apologize to him and text him and like, yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it where like he and Justin Anderson met up with uh, Stu Vetter afterwards and dapped up and everything was all good. So like I think Kevin Durant knew he's like, I shouldn't have done that, but it is what it is. That's good, man. That's good. I I like that dude. I don't I don't think he likes his nickname. Like I think it's the Slim Reaper, right? Yeah. He he said he wanted his nickname to be the servant. Dude, that's not a basketball nickname. Nah. Like we understand, you know, you're trying to go all gospel on them, but um, I like Slim Reaper. I I like it. You know, I think it fits. Like you're seven feet tall and you weigh a buck eighty five. Um, and you and you're out there killing them. Getting one eighty five up on the bench press has been a problem. So, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's. he's I do you guys remember when he played LeBron in the finals? It wasn't it wasn't a great he struggled on that defensive end and LeBron isn't really a post up guy. But there were times when LeBron just got his position in the post and was able to 
score too easy. So as easy as he scores, like sometimes he can be a liability because of that thinness on the other end. Yep, I agree. And as a skinny guy growing up, I feel his pain. Absolutely. So um, <laughs> sticking to yeah. the well, NBA. Jay can tell you too, I might have struggled with the stronger point guards in college. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah, that's right. So you weren't getting your um, thing. Is it yeah. Raymond, Raymond Felton on? Yeah, we'll tell you. That's a story for another day, man. But <laughs> <laughs> Got you, man. All right, I, man. I, I look like Raymond Felton right now, man. I'm actually trying to run and get rid of the Raymond Felton. Man, Raymond Felton put on a little little chunk on him, man. He used to be swift. Now he's just he's just almost fast. (laughs) 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 That that's pretty much you're describing my career too. Got it. (laughs) All right, let's talk about coaching, man. Obviously the playoffs are going on, but Usually in the NBA, when the season's over and your team wins 17 games, Lakers fans, um, then some heads are going to roll, and it probably starts with the uh, head coaches. So let's talk about the fires first. Let's talk about your team, man. I want to hear from you, Jay. Um, The Lakers have fired Byron Scott after two subpar seasons. Um, What are your thoughts on that? And then two – who do you want to be the new head coach? Well, one, I'm glad Byron Scott is gone. Um, loved him as a player, loved him with the Showtime Lakers. Uh, I just think his personality um, did not fit. Almost felt like they set him up just to be like, here, you got these two years with Kobe. We know you can appease him. Let's send him out in style. Um, and then they were kind of like, hey, thanks. Here's $5 million. Deuces. Deuces. Um, so, you know, as a fan, I'm <laughs> glad to see him go because I never like I never understood why he benched D'Angelo Russell early on. Like you spent a number two pick on the kid. Let him go. You're not going to win, you know, 20 games anyway. Let the kid go. Um, you know, but I, I enjoy Byron as a player, as a coach. Not so much. Um, I'm kind of glad he's out. So as a fan, I'm hoping uh, Luke Walton. Oh man, you the man. Podcast over. Hey, can we stop now? I'm hoping. (laughs) I'm hoping. (laughs) So tell me why. Well, I say that because I think at 36, Luke Walton, the NBA has changed. So many young kids are in the NBA, especially the Lakers. You got Randall's 21, um, D'Angelo Russell's 20, Jordan Clarkson's 24. Like you got a bunch of young guys. Um, they know Luke Walton's won. They see him with Golden State. I just think you need somebody younger. Um, and if it's not Luke Walton, um, I'd say somebody like a Kevin Ollie mm. that's got that respect that could come in. Um, but you need somebody that's going to let them go, um, tailor the system to fit them, and uh, bring Showtime back, man. I'm ready for Showtime again. Jay Hart, let me tell you So something. David Black. Let me tell um, you. If David Black comes back and coaches the Lakers – I won't be on this podcast. I'll turn <laughs> off DirecTV. I will, I will deny anything purple and gold. You talked about the uh, you talked about Luke Walton coaching the Warriors, but let me tell you, Stevie Wonder could have coached the Warriors earlier this year. Like my son could have coached the Warriors earlier <laughs> this year. So 
I'm not so sure that Walton has the track record. And first of all, I'm upset, okay, because my boy Mark Jackson got fired after he won the playoffs. <laughs> the playoffs with the Warriors. Put some okay? respect on that name. Put some respect <laughs> on my boy Mark Jackson. And then Steve Kerr comes in, inherits a team, and wins a championship. And now Walton's running the show the first 20-something games of the year. He's undefeated. And now he's going to be the Lakers coach? Come on, Jay Hart. One, he's going to be cheap. He'll come cheap. I think Mark Jackson, I think he'll clash with Jim Buss, um, who needs to give up ownership. He needs to get the heck out of there. Um, I'm tired of him. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't mind Mark Jackson. I think he would be a perfect fit. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think there's too many personality conflicts there. Uh, I think the Lakers will go cheap. They'll give Luke Walton like a three- or four-year deal. Now, he may be gone after two because that's pretty much par for the course now with Lakers coaches, um, unless you you know, you know get fired five games in like Mike Brown did. But, mm. um, <laughs> you know, I just it, – it's killing me right now to see the purple and gold struggle. Um, so is. I just – I you want know, somebody in there that can go. It's killing me too, man. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I love it. I hey, actually love still, it. You still salty about Derek Fisher? It's okay. <laughs> oh, you really gonna go point oh, four? There. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. That that means we're gonna move on. Okay. <laughs> because that's not right. Uh. So two two hires. We had um, Scotty Brooks, and Tom Thibodeau. Which hire do you like most? And what do you think about Brooks and Durant in D.C.? <clears throat> All right, so I'll boom. I, I definitely like the Thibodeau hire better. I think mm. he's going to be great. But the one thing that you worry about is, like, how long can he be a great coach with the team? Because what seemed to have happened was in Chicago, like, his message just wore thin. Like, they were great. He overachieved, but he pushed them so hard like will minnesota be able to get what they want to get with him at the helm before that message wears thin because he's got a great opportunity they've got a great core um scotty brooks i mean i think the wizards just hired whoever they thought was going to give them the best chance to acquire talent i don't know if there was anything about his coaching mannerism that really drew him to say like this should be john wall's next coach Mm -hmm. um I really just think it was putting themselves in the best position to bring uh, Durant home. Uh, I mean, I don't know why they hired him mm-hmm. other than that, outside of Durant. Wow. Yeah. I, I like I like the Timberwolves, and I like Tibbs. Like, that team is young, and I think they're going to make the playoffs next year, and I don't want to see them at all with, with Towns and Wiggins um, running the show next year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Don't they need a point guard though before they make that move? In Minnesota? Yes. Ricky oh, Rubio. Oh, so you're a Rubio hater. Let me, no, let me hear, just, let me hear from the point guard. I'm just observing his defense intensity level isn't always where you want it for an NBA point guard in the playoffs. Mm. Wow. Not that he's had to add it to this point because they haven't been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, like, are you worried about your point guard matching up with Rubio in the playoffs? Well, the Orlando Magic made it to the NBA Finals with Jameer Nelson, Mr. <laughs> no Defense himself. 
playing point guard. <laughs> He's from Philly, though. He's tough. He's tough, but he just don't play no D. Yeah, <laughs> he can be tough think, all he think, wants. Uh... <laughs> Minnesota's going to be interesting. Minnesota will be interesting. And speaking of Minnesota, um, last week, obviously, uh, most people know the news that um, Prince uh, passed away last week. And we wanted to just kind of talk about it from a different angle, right, C-Lass? Yeah, I mean, but first, let's just, we just got to talk about Prince. And then at some point, you got to ask the question. So um, obviously, like, one thing that's been amazing coming out is just so many, like, backstories to his songs and his music now that he's, like, passed and just talking about what a genius he was musically and um I was listening to the one story that said he performed a concert of for 30,000 people, but right off of the stage, he had an NBA playoff game one. And like, he's mesmerizing the crowd and he's not even paying attention. Like his eyes are squarely on the NBA playoff game. It just like music was just like, he literally um, was a musical genius. Um, mm. But the other side of it is just all of these amazing things that he had done for people is starting to come out. And um, whether it was when Lauren Hill got in all that legal trouble, reaching out and trying to figure out how he could help their kids or investing in solar energy companies and helping people with um, Oakland have like solar energy in their homes. And all this he did like because of his faith as a Jehovah's Witness, um, he kind of did behind the scenes. Like he couldn't ever tell people he was doing it uh, and i think the one thing just like i still think michael's better as a musician like obviously not as somebody uh -oh. who plays an instrument but i mean that was our argument growing up like jordan michael jordan the prince you talking about michael jordan Man, i gotta go with, i gotta go with uh mike jackson so, uh, <laughs> i'm just messing with you this is the part we, we gotta leave out of the podcast because i heard like I shouldn't say that in front of your wife, maybe. Is that right? Absolutely, man. If my, Listen, I'm going to have her listen to this, and then she might delete your number out of my cell. So <laughs> I, might have to, I might have to email you and ask for it again, just so you know, because she's a Prince fan, absolutely, through and through. Yeah. And so when we were just tossing around ideas for the podcast, one of the things we were just saying is like, um, you know, Christ, sports, and culture. And I think one of the fascinating things uh, for me has been people trying to figure out what to do with Prince's faith. You know what I'm saying? Um, I've even heard people say like, oh, uh, Prince went to be with the Lord. He was a Jehovah's Witness on the radio station. And um, not to delve too much into Prince's particular faith. And I, you were just mentioning something, John, you had read or you had read about um, like Prince's song, The Cross, I'll let you touch on that. But uh, my point was just like, hey, like as a believer, we believe um, in a gospel of grace, not a gospel of works, where it's faith alone, Christ alone, um, faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone. And hoping that that was really the message that Prince um, in his last minutes was clinging to, because we believe that's how you know. Um, you have eternal hope, not just the evidence of some really charitable stuff that he may have done, but really that message matters. Um, what you believe really 
matters. And you were talking about that song, The Cross. Can you kind of explain to us, explain to the listeners what you were talking about earlier? Yeah, sure. So on his Sign of the Times album, um, amidst all the other songs, there's this interesting song on there um, called The Cross. And I think Denny Burke wrote about it earlier today. And he was just uh, on the song. He's just holding up all the redemptive elements of the cross. And it makes one think like, wow, that can be like a CCM song today. Like I can imagine people singing that in church right now. And and Burke ends the article by saying he, he just prayed that his last moments were a reflection his last moments being princess were a reflection of that song. Like he really, really thought deeply of what that redemptive work meant for him. Obviously, like you said earlier, he did tons of philanthropic work, but as a Jehovah's witness, he can't say, you know, I did all this work, but hopefully he wasn't standing on that. And obviously, you know, we, we don't know and people can surmise different things, but um, it's just interesting that that song he wrote in the 80s on his Sign of the Times album um, was one that held up the cross um, in high regard. So I just I just found that to be interesting. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, Jay Hart. Yes, sir. Any Prince reflections? Um, Purple Rain, man. Like <laughs> oh, Purple Rain. Like, like Purple. I, Honestly, like when I when the news went down, like one of my coworkers sent me a text. And she was like, oh, my gosh, did you hear the news? And I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, Price died. I was like, who's Price? And I guess like autocorrect changed it from Prince <laughs> to Price. I was like, who is Price? I'm going through my mind. like, OK, who do I work with named Price? Like, is this something I need to be really concerned about? And then she was like, Prince. I was like, oh, wow. Um, I just remember as a kid and my sister having the Purple Rain soundtrack, um, my eyes being open the first time I saw the movie, like, whoa, what? what? Oh, my gosh. Um, 1999, Let's Go Crazy. Uh, there's so many great Prince songs, um, When Doves Cry. I don't know, Chris. I, I liked MJ, too. I might have to lean toward... Lean toward Prince, brother. I don't know. Ooh, ooh. Did yeah. that hurt? Did that, that hurt, Chris? No, nah, I didn't really hurt because I grew up more of a hip hop guy, so I just kind of skipped in and out of that um, Prince Michael debate. Mm. I was probably on my LL. I'm bad. Um, <laughs> LL Kumo D. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, I was probably more on that Kumo D and how you like yeah. that. So I mean, I really wasn't that big into it, but. Uh, I think the sad thing about both of them is, like, man, neither one of them made it out of their 50s. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, mm-hmm. Whitney, like, so many of the pop icons really that helped forge a way um, for black entertainers to have a place on television, you know? Um, for so long, it was exclusively something that, like, you wouldn't see anyone who looked like us on music television at all. And you look at the three people who probably are primarily the artists who broke through that, you would probably say Whitney, Michael, and Prince, and now none of them are here. It's just kind of crazy to think about as we grow up that those icons are gone. Mm. And it also makes you realize your own mortality, too. Yes. I, I mean, think, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Oh, I, I was just saying it like I, it's dawned on me just when you start thinking about those entertainers um, and the things that happen. Like it also makes you wonder, like, what kind of spiritual demons were they battling? You know, as far as having to deal with fame, the people around them, the money, um, if there were any kind of drugs or alcohol involved, you know, just just the um, factors and influences in their lives. Like, what were they wrestling with? Um, and then for us to, you know, kind of be like, wow, they have iconic status. But mm -hmm. I think on a spiritual level, like you start thinking, like, what were these folks really wrestling with? And at their last moments, like you always wonder, like, OK, did they come to a was there a, you know, uh, on the cross movement like, oh. You know, now it hits me, yeah. you know, my dying breath, like. I missed all this. So it just it makes me wonder. And I think about that with entertainers, athletes in general, like we see them on TV and we hold them to such a high standard. And everybody's like, oh, I got to go get the new album. or I got to get, you know, LeBron's shoes. But you also like I just I started thinking on a spiritual level, especially with my kids really um, liking athletes and entertainers like, OK, what are these people really struggling with? And should we hold them in such high regard and esteem? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and cultural icons are real, man. So in terms of cultural icons, I think we, we probably also want to talk about a historical icon um, and one that a lot of people in the African-American community hold up in high regard. And that is Harriet Tubman. Last week, we found out that the U.S. Treasury was going to actually place Andrew Jackson's face on the back of the five, the $20 bill now. And now Harriet Tubman will be on the front of the $20 bill. Now, outside of all the internet memes about it, making it rain Tubman's, um, I think we should probably have a substantive conversation about what this means for race in America and moving towards racial reconciliation. Is this helpful? Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, the very first thing that I saw, like, this is literally how I found out. And it said, cue the Harriet Tubman references in three, two, one. And I was like, what, what are they talking about, Harriet Tubman? So I went and I found an article. And Jeremy and I played with a couple of kids from Baltimore. And what they wrote when they paid, look under the captions, like look under the article at the comments. And the comments were just atrocious. Um, and it really is something that was kind of meant to show that the country was moving forward in a, um, in a racially united way was really just showing like how divided we were. And one that I saw and I was like, I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry literally, said maybe her face should be on the food stamp and I'm like, no, like, um, like, where are we at as a country where we can't, um, where we can't embrace that? But America's a melting pot, and I think what is starting to happen is people are starting to see, like, um, Tim Keller, Dr. Tim Keller at Redeemer Press talks about this a lot. Um, when you're majority culture, you don't realize you have a culture. You know, it's just the right way to do things. And so people are starting to look back and say, like, hey, 
if America's a melting pot, how come like things in the US Treasury don't reflect any of that, you know, or other segments of society don't reflect that, you know? And so then you start looking at who would be an iconic person and there you get Harriet Tubman. So I was excited about just the awareness of where we are as a country, but also saddened by some of the reaction that I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any thoughts, Jay Hart? Um, I, I think one of the things that really saddened me was, um, especially with some of the younger generation, them not even having an understanding of who Harriet Tubman was or what she did or, you know, the historical perspective. Um, like that kind of saddened me because I was like, gosh, have, have we fallen so far in our educational system that, you know, people don't even realize who Harriet Tubman is or what she's done or um, the contribution she had. That's what saddened me the most. Um, you know, and there's always going to be the jokes and they're, most of them are in poor taste. Um, you know, maybe Rosa Parks would have said, oh, finally, somebody else in the back of the bus since they moved Jackson to the back. But you know i I just i think it's i think people are trying to make a statement where they're saying hey you know we're trying to make you know some kind of reconciliation with this um i guess it remains to be seen how far that really goes or if it's just a an empty gesture Mm. and there was a very interesting perspective that i read and um and kind of thought through after after hearing some people actually lament this happening because a lot of women are like, okay, why are we putting Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill celebrating the successes in America when women don't necessarily have equal rights, earning capacities Mm. um, as men. So we're putting her on this monetary unit, but at the same time, men are overwhelmingly paid more than women um, for doing the same jobs. So it also kind of brought that that social um, element in there as well, trying to think through that and thinking through um, compensation and women's rights as well. So um, that, that made me think because, you know, my, my wife, um, she's, she's worked as an executive and she's seen that at the executive level, just seeing that you know, she's getting compensated less than other executives. Um, so, you know, just thinking through that as someone who is gospel focused, gospel centered, um, how can I help um, empower women in that area um, in my job and what I do? So um, it made me think about that a little bit more deeply. Yeah. I mean, just can you imagine the irony of putting the woman's face on the $20 bills and then giving the man who's doing the same job way more of the $20 bills with the women's face on it like that, like that does smack of irony, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. So, so we want to um, address this subject. Okay. This is, this is real. It's getting real in these streets. (laughs) Getting real in In these radio streets, man, it's real. So um, this week on the breakfast club, Birdman from Cash Money Records, I think they're still called that, um, came on to do an interview. And before the interview, he went bananas. Like, he just started saying random stuff and going off on the entire crew. And the team was just taken aback. 
And uh, obviously, everybody's probably heard the audio by now and heard him say, y'all going to respect with a K, my name. <laughs> and it was actually pretty hilarious um, because his voice was shaking the whole time. And he was trying to be macho, but it seemed like he was a little bit nervous doing it. Um, but on the other end of that, as we're thinking through that from a Christian perspective, we saw um, an encounter in social media that looked like it was a healthy dialogue between two um, Christian hip hop artists. And one of them uh, is Fanatic and the other is, is Lecrae. Uh, Chris, could you or one of you guys kind of explain to the audience kind of how that back and forth went? Are you are you are you referring to the Lecrae and Fanatic one? Yes, obviously yeah, people right. probably don't need an explanation for Birdman and the Breakfast Club because it was all over it. <laughs> uh, I had a treatise. I had a treatise ready for that one. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, but I think here's what happened is um, like a lot of the times it just seems like um, you know, uh, Lecrae has been the face. He, it seems like at some point when he was probably the most recognizable name in Christian hip hop, he just went a different course with his music. And so um, it, it's just been interesting to see the back and forth with people um, who probably honestly all have the same, hold to the same theological tenets, you know? Um, but just in practice, how are we gonna live this out? Um, there's been a lot of disagreement. And so um, Lecrae has a book about to come out. I'm excited to read that when it drops. Um, and um, I think it was Complex posted an excerpt from the book. And Fanatic just kind of addressed some of the things that he was concerned about. I think Shaolin had reached out to Lecrae on Twitter and kind of asked for some clarification as well. But it was basically just saying like, hey, like, are we taking what's unashamed, like a Bible verse out of Romans 116 and trying to make it say something different, except um, Fanatics was way more nuanced. It was a longer piece. And um, Lecrae, even though he was being criticized in the piece, um, responded very gracefully. And it was just a beautiful way to see, like, uh, two brothers who are maturing in Christ say, like, hey, we don't see this eye to eye. We don't see this the same but we can dialogue healthily, like in a healthy way, and Christians can disagree. And I thought that was kind of beautiful, even though there's some tension and friction maybe, um, still like they can come together and have their disagreements and know that what they have in common, the cross, is way uh, more valuable than what they disagree on. So mm -hmm. I, was, I was all right with it. Yeah, and, and you know what? You gotta kind of imagine that that's what the Paul and Barnabas conversation went like. In terms of taking John Mark with them, right in the in in the book of yeah. Acts, um, we don't get details on that, but it was severe enough for them to go their separate ways, and God even used that in His sovereign grace to impact the world, like Barnabas going one way and Paul going another. So even as I look at this with Fanatic and Lecrae, um, I might not necessarily agree with everything that either one of them says. But obviously, God has given them a platform where they are to proclaim the gospel um, in the way that they see reaches um, the people that they want to reach. So for that, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that conversation to have the grace 
you know, it being seasoned with grace so that we can show people a different way that everybody doesn't bird man everybody. <laughs> is that, is that a, like, is that, can, can we when use you say Lecrae, put now? some respect on it. Put some respect. <laughs> when you say Lecrae, put some respect on it. Exactly. So, but it's good to see Jay, two, two brothers do that, man. That's great. Jay, I know uh, you've been a reach guy for the longest. And I was just curious to get your thoughts on just the kind of the way that the direction that. Um, You know, it's been interesting for me. And I try not to read too much of like, you know, when they post articles criticizing the reach camp. And then if you look at the comments like, oh. It'll just skew you one way or the other. And I try not to read those things. Um, I try to look at it in a light like these brothers are getting older, like they're married. Um, they're going through life, um, you know, and I think as an artist, you kind of mature. And I think when you when you're walking Christ, you mature. And I think one of the things that I and I may be reading this wrong, but I think they're trying to share their struggles like what they struggle with and they're trying to they're trying to keep it real like on some levels yeah it does hurt because i was so used to them everything was christ-centered um all their songs were about christ but on the flip side it is kind of refreshing that when they take a stand on certain things um the music's a little bit different Uh, i think one of the struggles i've had for me is like my son is turning 12 on thursday and any reach records cds or anything i have on my ipod like he wants on his and some of the content um on some of the newer songs um it has really opened up some discussions because my son was like well dad what does he mean when he says this or you know what did what are they talking about here Uh, whereas before like on some of the older stuff i didn't necessarily have to do that um but now they're talking about deeper um, issues and and things that as a 12 year old, I'm not sure I'm quite ready to cross that bridge with my son yet and have those conversations. But um, I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm kind of torn. Like I like the old music, but I also see, I see there's some growth there. I I see them struggling. I think, um, again, it's kind of like one of those entertainer things, like the reach guys like Lecrae, Andy, Tripp, you know, some of those guys are put on such a high pedestal um and it's almost like fans put them like okay these guys are like one of the 12 disciples like they're <laughs> above reproach like but i mean seriously like that's what people think like i almost think there's an unrealistic expectation that these guys don't struggle with sin these guys don't struggle with pride and ego and those type of things and um you know i think that's almost misplaced so sometimes I think they're trying to pour out their heart and people are almost casting stones at them. You're supposed to be a Christian. You shouldn't be talking about this stuff, but it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, I don't know, man. Like I'm, I don't know that I'm going to, you know, go full scale and not buy any albums. Cause, um, I don't, I don't think I'm going out and, and buying a J Cole or Kendrick Lamar album anytime soon before I buy a Lecrae or Andy Minio album. So. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. So um, I, I do have one more question for you guys. Well, we want to hear you. We want to hear you weigh in on that one first. 
Oh, yes. You don't get to skip that one. <laughs> right. He tried to skip over it, right? Like, um, yeah, on to the I'm next. Trying to skip over it, yes. But um, so over the years, I, I've seen kind of a, a little bit of a dynamic shift for Lecrae. Um, uh, and, you know, in some degree, some in some ways that, that could be growth and maturing in terms of um, just having lived life, you know. Um, but at the same time, I do have there. Do, there are some concerns in terms of direction. Um, obviously, one one six is a reference to Romans one sixteen, and that's kind of the Lecrae and the Reach records that I remember. Um, obviously, the tracks are hot now. Like church clothes, one, two, and three. Like, oh goodness. Um, but at the time, the the content also covers a wider array, um, and and that's not to say that the gospel doesn't doesn't cover everything. But then you you think about everything from collaborations, um, who you're working with, and all that good stuff, and it just kind of makes the waters murky. And for someone who isn't as mature as other believers are, that might be tough um, in terms of you know, making choices based off of what they hear or what kind of collaborations that they see. Um, when I first, when I got saved as a senior in college, I threw away all my secular music. Now, at this point in my life, I'm mature enough to be able to hear it and understand it without having any type of adverse impact spiritually. Um, my concern is for a new spiritual convert who might hear something and then it might take them back into something that might be a little bit more detrimental. So that's the, that's the only concern I have. And I'm pretty sure Fanatic kind of shares those same concerns in terms of direction of the music. Um, I do think it's hot. I think it's definitely some hot tracks, but at the same time for spiritually, I'm thinking from a lens of a spiritually immature believer. Um, and then Paul's words in terms of how we act towards the spiritually immature and what we eat, what we drink, what we say. Um, and how that could have an impact on them is something that I always think through. Yeah, I think Paul's exact quote was, hey, if it's going to be a conflict, I'll just stop eating meat. And I was like, man, like the gospel <laughs> has them at a depth. It doesn't have me at quite yet. <laughs> like, you know, I'm thinking about like, I mean, I read that. I just start thinking about meats. Like I know that's probably not what he had in mind. I well, I'm, the goodness of meats. I was like, man, buffalo wings, nothing like Paul. You just like gonna lay it all down, huh? I'm I'm pretty but sure your meat like, isn't sacrificed to idols. Um, so <laughs> exactly. we might have to contextualize yeah. that a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. I'm not in Colossae, so like we're good there. So um, but like just the heart behind that, like, hey, like God, this is God's work, it's his body. He said he would build his church. In Acts, it says, like, hey, I gave my blood for this bride. So, like, we want to be careful about how we lead people who are younger in the faith. And I think that's been, I think that's a valid um, concern. I think the other thing is it's just kind of unfortunate that, like, Reach kind of branded themselves in that mode before they had time to grow. Because now it makes change difficult. You know, like, yeah. if their label wasn't 116, like, they wouldn't have to always keep explaining 116. Like we, when we were tossing out names for the podcast, I was like, maybe Colossians 4, 5, 6. Like, you know, 
careful how you present your witness to like um, those outside of the household of faith. You know, like maybe that would have been a better number for them is four, five, six. And um, because that seems to be the mode they're in they're um, they're really cautious about like how they engage culture for the gospel's sake. Whereas the other verse, Romans 1 16, would seem something that kind of fit in more with rappers who were just like blatantly Christ in every line or something like that. So it's mm -hmm. been kind of neat to watch them grow. There are some concerns there, obviously, but um, it was neat to see them have that conflict, conflict in a Christ-exalting way. Mm. And speaking of podcast name, because we didn't go with Colossians 4, 5, 6, right? We went with right. the Box and One podcast, right? So, am I supposed to go get my um, four, five, six tattoo covered up now? Not, yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> go ahead. Go back to the, the ink artist, Miami Ink. If you need to fly to Miami, I got you. Uh, we'll get it taken off. Word. And, and uh, we did go with the Boxing One podcast. And we probably need to explain that to the listeners so they know why we went with the Boxing One. So you guys want to explain that for us? Jay, um, you got this. Yeah, I know. I, the basketball mind over there. Come on, well, Jay. Well, you know, when I thought about it, like the boxing one, um, from a coaching perspective, like everybody considers the boxing one the junk defense. It's like your last resort. Um, like they, the other team's got one player. We can't let them catch the ball. Um, and it's a you're using it as a defense that's saying, hey, we've got to protect this at all costs. We can't let this one person. Um, defeat us. And I think it's very applicable applicable spiritually because um, we kind of got to put a boxing one on the enemy at times um, to make sure that, you know, he doesn't steal our thoughts and our mind and our hearts. Um, so we really got to be on guard and really got to put our defense up um, against that. So I, from a coaching standpoint, that's kind of how I looked at it. Um, like, okay, he's coming. Like, He's going to try to give me 40, but we got to try to stop it in some way possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that Allen Iverson defense. You, you got to go boxing one on, on AI. Not saying, he's, not saying he's the enemy. I'm sorry, C. Lass. I'm just yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm just, uh, I'm just weak over here that my man Jay said the enemy was going to try to give him 40. He said he was going to go out like Kobe on his final night. Oh, <laughs> put up taking shots. I'm, I'm going 22 of 50. I'm, I'm leaving it with nothing. Mamba out. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's good, man. So I, I also just thought it was a great name and fitting because we kind of tackle issues one at a time. Mm -hmm. And um, just coming out in that boxing one defense having that one defender on that one issue and just trying to trying to work through it, you know, through the lens of the gospel. Um, probably a different lens than other people are looking at it. I think it just is a fitting name. So shout out to C Lass for coming up with the name. I had to give you had to give you props, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Well here's the deal. At at two points earlier in this year, both of y'all texted me about an amazing rec league game that y'all had. And I'm probably the only person in this podcast. I'm probably the only one in the podcast who has never had an amazing rec league game. So I've never actually seen the boxing one. Like I've never been a victim of the boxing one. No one's ever singled me out. So it is pretty amazing that I thought of that name because that's not. It's it's never been my case. Like I've never been the object of the other team's defense. That's so. all right, man. We can all dream. 
<laughs> so hey, I just need to know, are y'all finished or are y'all done? See, last I listen, let me tell you something. I saw you at the church the other day and I was gonna pull up on you. But I had to talk to you face to face. And I had to I had to get, <laughs> I had to get at you. I had to get at you. Look, I'm put listen, I'm pulling my best bird man right now. Anyhow, man, so I think that, that that wraps up this episode, right? Any quick parting shots, man, lightning round stuff? What you got? Yeah, man, when you hear the Boxing One podcast, put some respect on it. Put, put <laughs> when some, you hear the name Boxing One, put some respect on that. Absolutely, which means subscribe, comment, rate it. Um, make sure you give us a shout out, man, on iTunes. That's how we move up in the rankings. So this is second episode, man. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it, and we're doing it for Christ. Absolutely, for Amen. his glory and for his renown. So I appreciate you guys, man. I'm grateful for you and grateful for you stepping up and becoming part of the podcast and challenging me, you know, to kind of stretch myself um, to co-host with you, man. So thanks, guys. Yeah, Thank, thank you, guys. bro. Thanks for hosting us. No worries, man. So we'll see you all next week as we discuss yet to be named topics because they haven't happened yet. But we're pretty sure that the sports and culture world will give us something to talk about through the lens of the gospel. So uh, shout out to everybody out there in podcast land. We'll see y'all next week.